Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. As always, we are grateful that you're giving us some of your time. I always try to make it worth your time. So hang in there today. We're going to be talking specifically to men. Women, that doesn't mean you have to check out. You're more than welcome to listen, of course. Um, And this message is for men. Uh, From a clinical perspective, what I'm going to do, I'm going to briefly outline a little bit of my history, which I do periodically. I don't put a ton of me in the podcast uh, specifically, and I do that on purpose because this is about a clinical perspective. This is not necessarily about me personally. Um, But if I'm going to be speaking to a specific a piece of the audience, which is going to be men, I want you to understand why I'm talking to you today. So today is July the 14th, 2022. And men, this one's for you. A little bit of background to tell you what I'm, uh, where I came from. You know, in, uh, in 1995, I know that's a long time ago, uh, but uh, in July, around this time, I ended up, it was actually on my birthday, so uh, not too long from now, I ended up having a recruiter come to my house, and my parents sat on the same couch for the first time in my life that I ever saw. And on that couch, they signed the paperwork that allowed me to be legally emancipated Uh with a, so that I could sign into the Marine Corps. I was 17 years old that day. And so we're talking, we're talking about a totally different time in my life. And I start there uh, because I want to give you the background. My social studies essentially started probably right there, right? That is where I was making my first adult decision, like truly adult decision. And I was making a decision in the path for me to become what I saw as a man. Now, in my childhood, I didn't have, well, that's not true. I had a couple of great examples, but I didn't have a a bunch of men in my world that showed me how. I had these peripheral figures uh, I had my grandfather, I had my uncle, uh, my my biological dad uh, was not around at all, pretty much. Uh, a little bit when I was about 12 or 13, he started being around some, it was still sporadic. Now, why I say that is because today when I'm talking about men, I want you to know where I began. I had this weird back and forth journey uh, to become a man. And I didn't necessarily know what that was supposed to be, as many boys probably don't, to be honest. So from there, uh, my social studies began. So at 17, I went in the military and I started very quickly. I mean, it was predominantly men. Well, there were women, but it was predominantly men in the Marine Corps. And so I socialized. I, uh, I learned some good things and bad things. I got exposed to some things I wish I had never gotten exposed to. And yet 
because of those exposures, uh, I have I've been able to be more intentional about my life. And when I got done with my time in the Marine Corps in 2021, uh, which was six years later, uh, the uh, the the next step for me was to try to find some place to do things more so in the private world. So obviously I'm going to college, I'm doing all this stuff, uh, but I, I needed to get more involved and I found a niche. For me, my niche was working with uh, the younger population, teens specifically. And so I went to this teen program working with teenagers and it was military based. So it was familiar, uh, but it was still also really new. Right? There was a lot of newness to it because I hadn't been working with that population necessarily. And we, I was around other adults who were trying to make a difference in the world. Uh, you know, and, and that's where I started finding some really good mentors. That made a huge difference. So if you listen to some of my other podcasts, you might have noticed that. Now I'm, I'm going into that because I just want you to understand that I've been, I've been working at developing men and developing women and helping struggling men and helping struggling women ever since then. Like that has been what I, what I do. Uh, obviously I had to go and get a, a you know, a, an advanced degree. So, um, I've been doing that for about five or six years. We, we relocated. I went back to school. I'd worked in public schools. I did a bunch of other things, but I worked specifically with a lot of gang members for about five or six years too, because I, I'm, t I'm the reason I'm telling you that is because I want you to understand. Uh, I saw men that were were rich and poor, men that were in positions of power and positions of weakness, boys that were in positions of power and positions of weakness, and this breadth of experience leads me to today where I am a therapist and have been for over 10 years. And I sit with people all the time telling me the good stuff and the not so good stuff. Now with that background, I'm painting that so that I can tell you my recent observations. Look, I already told you today is July 14th, 2022. So I reserve the right, just as you should, to change my, um, uh, my, my mind with later observations. However, these are really consistent things that I'm seeing. I'm going to go over it. What, what I'm hearing men say about men, what I'm hearing women say about men and what I'm hearing kids say about men, because I see them all. I'm not going to cover every category that would be, Oh, you'd be here for months, uh, years, probably. But I'm going to highlight the things that have come across consistently and seem significant. Now, understand, I've got my own background, so you got to put this in context. I make, I make recommendations, you guys make decisions. Not my place to tell you what to do. So my observations, what are men saying about men? In the clinical world, what they are telling me, one of the top things on their list at least they want more men in their life. That, they want that. They want good men. They want mentors. They want people in their world where they can, they can you know, 
hang out in the garage or uh, go fishing or just something to be with other men. By the way, wherever they fall on this, uh, you know, the, the, the masculine feminine spectrum, it's consistently the same. They're telling me they want more men in their life. That masculine feminine stuff that's dominating the news is not dominating the conversation in therapy when it comes to men wanting other men in their world. You know, men are not as hard as you think, and they're not as soft as you think. Men are also telling me about the instability of women in their life. Now, this is an interesting one. The instability of women is often... When we look over time, and you guys can do your own research, I I will sometimes provide research, and sometimes I won't. Today, I'm going to do a little more anecdotal stuff. So do your research. Please, don't be lazy. Do your research. If you think that what I'm saying is inaccurate, go look for yourself and find your own research. The instability of women over time tends to be when men are removed. So when men are removed from women's worlds or they're not there supporting women and being supported by women, their instability goes up. Now, you could do the <laughs> the the figures, right? You you can go look up all of the data and all that stuff. But essentially what I think men are telling me is They want more stable women in their world. And what that tells me is men have to be more stable. They are telling me there's too much negativity and hate in the world. Men are telling me that a lot. That's more of a worldview comment that is made. Like, I just don't understand this or I don't understand that and It's all so negative and hate-filled. What that tells me is men don't want to hate. So men out there, if you're not interested in hating and being mean and belligerent and loud and obnoxious and rude, then don't. Men are telling me that social media is not a good playground for them. Consistently telling me that. And they're telling me that for lots of reasons. Uh, some it's because of their, uh, you know, it, it could be as simple as this. It could be as simple as men know some of their vulnerabilities. And those vulnerabilities are easily accessible on social media. Like uh, flirting, um, uh, pornography, uh, stuff like that, that take them away from what truly does matter to them. But they are vulnerable to uh, I think of it like a 007, right? 007 has has this weakness. Everybody knows what it is. It's women. Well, to a lot of men, that is a real narrative. Well, women can and often are men's greatest weakness. And what I'm hearing is that weakness seems to be more prevalent on social media. Well, what that tells me is, uh, duh. Come on, men, let's be real. Social media is truly a playground for women. 
The way that women socialize is totally different. Men typically will will uh, play totally different or boys will play totally different than girls. We know that there's more rough housing. Hey, I, I'm not telling you anything that's new. You can go do the research. It is clear. Uh, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson recently did a, uh, a a podcast on this exact topic where he talked to uh, France DeWall and they were talking literally about this topic. I highly recommend it. It came out on Monday. So what is that? Maybe like the 11th of, of July. Go back and listen to it. It's very good. But what they were saying is completely accurate. Boys play differently. So why is social media a women's playground? Because it caters to the way that women play. Women play um, with with words, with socializing, with Uh, they can get catty on social media and they feel like they're playing. It it makes sense when you do the research. Men, men don't really want to fight on social media. It's annoying. It's not real. It's not really a test for most men. The test for most men is, you know, hey, let's let's duke it out at the playground. We'll wrestle a little bit. And then, then we get up and we reconcile. How many, how many men out there, I'm talking to you today anyway, how many men out there got into fights with their best friend growing up? Uh, almost all of you? Why? Because that's what men do. They learn how to fight and reconcile, fight and reconcile, fight and reconcile. Whereas women can do that too. They can fight and reconcile. But if you look at all the data, they clearly reconcile differently. Not only do they do it differently, but oftentimes it's not as effective because they're, by design, not typically going to go to the fight. So they fight differently. They reconcile differently. Okay. Men are also telling me, well, they're actually asking me, they're asking me, where do I go to escape? And not necessarily where on the planet do I go to escape? But where do I go? What that tells me, men, is y'all aren't, just in general, of course, you're not taking your you time wisely. What that means is, uh, if you've seen Happy Gilmore, you got to find your happy place. Some place that rejuvenates you. If that's a rock in the middle of a lake, then boat out or swim out to the rock in the middle of the lake, sit there, rejuvenate, come back, do whatever you need to do. You're going to have more energy. If that's, you know, uh, here's the problem though. We're so filled with distractions that we're not doing the simple things. Men, you got to do the simple things. Fishing. For a lot of men, for a lot of years, centuries, Something as simple as going fishing was where the rejuvenation happened. They are productively providing and they're rejuvenating. They're increasing their patience for when they return, they can be more kind and patient and loving. So the escape often, like, here's where it comes down to clinically. It's mindfulness. Men have got to get back to being more mindful or meditative. 
something like that. And I, I'm happy to go into that deeper in a totally different, uh, I mean, I teach mindfulness uh, experiences in my practice all the time and I'm teaching them a lot to men. And they say things like, wow, I kind of thought that was going to be cheesy, but that was actually pretty good. That's, that's the feedback I get. Men are also telling me this. I don't understand the gender identity stuff. And then they add this in. This is what men are telling me. But I want to care for the person. I don't want to not like the person. What that tells me to all the men out there, this isn't a, a, you know, a transphobia. It's a lack of understanding and an inability to ask questions. So what I'd say to that, men, you got to get courageous. There's, there's just no way around it. You have to get courageous and know that somebody's going to attack you because you sound stupid. And don't get defensive. Don't get defensive about it. Don't blame them. Right? They, they have their own point of view. Okay, so what? Like, you're trying to learn. And if what you learn is that they're just filled with hate, I mean, accept that they're filled with hate and move on. Because eventually, you can come across a person who will slow down and give you the time to understand. That's what happened with me. I've come across people who are trans. I've come across people. And, and when I slow down and I empathize and I don't get defensive when they attack, they feel safe. And once they start to feel safe, then they teach and I can learn stuff. Okay. Those are observations. I didn't go over a lot, but I went over a few. I wanted to have, I wanted you to have those, um, from men. What are women saying about men? This is a little bit of a longer list, but it's also, I think, going to go a little faster because these, these are pretty clear. Most of these are not new, um, which means, men, we've got to really pay attention because if they're not new, then you know, th- that means we're not making the adjustments. One thing they're telling me, that men are selfish. That means we're taking our breaks and not communicating well. That's what it means, generally speaking. It's almost always about the way in which we communicate. Now, look, communication for men, I'm telling you this because this is, look, this is good for women too, but men in particular, when I break it down like this, they love it. Okay, communication is not as complex as you think, and it's simultaneously one of the more difficult things you're going to do in the world. Here's how it goes. You've got, a, you've got a, a sender and a receiver. If you don't have two people, you don't have communication. You got to have two plus, you can have three, four, five, seven thousand, a million, whatever. But two or more people, or it's not communication. So that's the most simple. You have a sender, you have a receiver. One person sends a message. So you got sender, receiver, and now you've added a message. Then you've got checks and balances. So the sender sends a message, the receiver receives the message. The receiver then bounces back the message to say, did I get it? The sender then bounces it back and says, yes, you did, or no, you didn't, and they clarify. Okay, so that's the most basic level. Obviously, there's lots of noise in communication. So I'm going to tell you where the noise comes from so that you men know what what there is in terms of noise. The noise is... Nonverbals and paraverbals. 
Okay, so at the basic level, sender receiver, and you know, it does get a little bit complicated in that the sender can become the receiver, the receiver can become the sender. So we're changing roles pretty rapidly in communication. Men tend to not have that big of a problem with that part of it. Where it is is in the nonverbals and the paraverbals. Now, nonverbals are anything that people do with their body, their their eyebrows raised, their you know, and so on. The men are not terrible with that, although they're not normally slowing down enough to really capture it. And in particular, when it comes to women, because their paraverbals are much, uh, much more consistent. Like, I, honest to goodness, as a therapist, I will believe what a woman shows me before what she says. Now, I'm not telling you that women are liars or anything like that. Although there are women and men who lie. What I'm telling you is their body doesn't lie nearly as much as their mouth. And I shouldn't even probably call it a lie, to be honest, men. I should call it like are inconsistent, right? Their mouth may be inconsistent, but their body language, their their facial expressions, they're not inconsistent. They are actually more consistent, I would suggest possibly, than men's. Okay. Then you've got the paraverbals. The paraverbals are tone, volume, and cadence. You can get more from listening to women by paying attention to nonverbals and paraverbals, tone, volume, and cadence. That's the speed at which they talk. Then you probably will listening to their words. They're going to tell you just as much or more with those things. Now, that's sometimes true with men also. So don't discount that just because you're listening to other men. But with women in particular, that seems to be a very common form of communication. The next thing that women often will tell me is that uh, that men are overly focused on sex. And then oftentimes... This is going to be probably really hard for some of you men out there to hear. Oftentimes, they're simultaneously saying, and they're not pleasing to me specifically. There's a couple of things that that says. Uh, it speaks directly to one of the most significant sexual differences between men and women, which is men, 90% of the men in the world, or thereabouts, are visually stimulated, whereas it's somewhere around, uh, I, I, I did the podcast on it a while back. I think I wanted to say I looked at the data and it was 30 to 35% of women are visually stimulated, but almost 90% of women are narratively stimulated. And what that tells me is we're not doing as a men in general, again, you know, there's going to be exceptions. I'm not talking to the exceptions in, these, in each particular area necessarily. But men have to do a better job of setting the path to a sexually fulfilling experience. And that doesn't start when we get to the bed or wherever we are. It starts at breakfast when we flirt, when we... Help the woman create the narrative that, ooh, he's like really into me today, right? It's dropping that, that little note in the middle of the day. It's, you know, coming home with a flower. It's, you know, bringing some chocolate 
so that I, I talk about gifts. It's saying, wow, you look good today. Affirmation, right? We're talking about those five love languages and we're doling them out periodically throughout the day. And pay attention in particular to the one that, you know, your, your actual um, relationship is going to benefit from the most, right? So if you're, if you're married or, uh, you know, dating somebody who is um, needing a lot of affirmation, then go to that. And here's the other thing. You got to be careful. You can't just go to it when you want to have sex because that then is a tool you're using for selfish desire. And that's different. You got to go to it day after day. We want them to know that we love them and care about them. And then the sex becomes way more fulfilling and way easier for most women. Now, understand this also, men. Sex drive is different for men and women more often than not. There are women in the world who want to have sex every day. That is super rare. Whereas men could probably have sex every day or every other day. Right? That's the typical Women, you know, once a week to once a month, you know, it's, it just depends. Sometimes maybe you'll, you'll have one that's, uh, you know, a couple times a week is fine, but it's, it's just not fulfilling day after day after day, like it would be for men. So keep that in mind that there are some differences and you have to negotiate those differences and you can do that through communication. Here's something else that the women are telling me. When I found a good one, that means there are good men out there, and I appreciate that. I had a hard time believing it. That's a big deal. That tells me, men, you have to be patient. It also tells me this, men. You guys are setting each other up to fail. Men are not teaching women that we are good, that we are healthy. We're teaching them the opposite. And so then when they find a good one, they can't believe that it's real. Like we got to stop setting each other up to fail. You know, if you date somebody, you got to date somebody knowing that that will be somebody's wife. It may be yours, but it may be somebody else's. And you got to treat her like that. And if you don't, if you're disrespectful, what you're doing is you're hurting other men. And let's be real, man. Well, we don't need help hurting each other. Stop doing that. They're also telling me he checks out when it's hard. That is the time where men have to check in, not check out. So stop checking out when things get hard. Check in. You know, do more. Be more present. Be more sacrificial. You'll grow more by that, by doing that as well. He doesn't give me breaks and appreciate my work, whether that's in the home or out of the home. I'm hearing it consistently. How come he's not interested in what I'm doing? Why, why doesn't he pay attention to uh, the, the fact that raising children is hard? Whether they're at a workplace or at home or both, we have to show more appreciation for what they're doing. And one of the best ways to do it, I hear, this is anecdotal, but the research would probably support it. I'd have to do some research on it, to be honest. But the research would probably support this. 
is to give them timeouts in their day. You take the kids for an hour, a couple times a week. Give her a chance to breathe. I'm consistently hearing that from women. Like, I need a break. And when you have young children in particular, it's probably every day. It might be only 30 minutes, but here's what happens. This is a common story that I hear from, from women about men. Well, he comes home from work and, you know, he, he, he does his break. So men, you're taking your break first. I don't know that I would suggest that. Maybe give her her break first. But then second, and this is going to come up probably in when I talk to women, but second, men are, after their break, what, what they find is they take the kids and then what happens with the, the woman? She goes and does some work. Look, you got to help her check out. You got to say, no, dinner can wait. Or, you know, like, don't work on the yard. No, like the garden can wait. Take 30 minutes. Take an hour. Go for a drive. Encourage the actual mindfulness checkout. Encourage it. It's passively encouraging it by taking the children is not enough. We have to actively encourage it. Men, if you listen to this part of it, I'm telling you, you will benefit. Another thing, and this will be the last one I talk about with with regard to women. Women are telling me about dad role failures. Men, I got to tell you, that's a whole separate conversation I should probably do a podcast on. Dad role is such a critical role. Just know it takes a lot to be a dad, just like it takes a lot to be a mom. And I think there's there's a lot of people getting some things right and there's a lot of people getting some things wrong when it comes to creating healthy environments for children. Um, I'm not going to go too far into it, but please pay attention to your role as a dad. Your role as a dad is to roll around and play. Your role as a dad is to discipline. Your role, it's women's roles to do those things too. Don't, don't. Don't think that I'm, I'm just because I'm talking to you men that this excludes women. It's dad's role to teach them how to do their finances. It's dad's role to teach them how to treat other men and women. It's dad's role to teach them how to be responsible citizens. It's dad's, like, these are all dad roles. If you're not doing those things, get on it. Okay, we're going to move on to what the kids are saying. The kids are saying Men don't understand what it's like today. That tells me, men, you got to get more curious and you got to ask more questions. So get on that part. They're also telling me they're not interested. That means children are, are not feeling loved from men. Now, of course, that's not all men, but we've got to do a better job of making them have felt love. And felt love is, is playing. It's, it's wrestling. It's also... Saying, I love you, kid. I love you a lot. (laughs) You're a pretty cool kid. It's saying, you can do this. I believe in you. Affirming them. All right. They're also telling me that men are controlling. 
they won't let me fail. That's what they're saying. They won't let me fail. Find ways to allow them to fail. They don't put the hook on right on the fishing line. Let it go. Let it go until it falls off. Get them curious. Make them ask, like, what did I do wrong? And then they're going to be more attentive to the lesson anyway. Look, there's, there's points of failure you just can't have, right? We don't, we don't want our kids overdosing on fentanyl, right? So there's some areas where you're like, no, hard line. I am going to be a little bit controlling in this because no, I'm not losing a kid to an overdose. But there's other areas where they can fail. Mowing the lawn, you know, they didn't do the lines just right. So what? Right? You know, you just let it go. You know, you can teach them through it, but encourage them and say, look, you 90, 90% amazing. And this 10%, I'd probably do a little different. But you know what? 90% amazing? I'm going to take that. You're still learning. Great job. And what they're telling me is I want men to be more involved. They have to get more involved. That's a tough one because they're also saying they're controlling and stuff like that. So we're walking this tightrope. I understand that. But walk the tightrope. Right? Get more involved means being present. It, does, it means don't be removed. Okay? So I've gone over three different vantage points that I'm getting as a therapist. What men say about men, what women say about men, and what kids say about men. What I want to tell you from here is we are needed as much as ever. Maybe more than ever. We can't check out right now. We have to be involved and we have to do the self-care things to make sure that we can stay involved. What that means is we must do the work on our own head, heart, and soul. Look, a, a broken person is not going to help people. Broken people break people. Healthy people heal people. You want to help this world get better, you got to make sure you get healthy. Healthy individually first and then socially second. Okay? Because it's always going to be that way. The individual makes the difference. When we look at culture, it starts with the individual. Culture is grown out of the hearts and minds and souls of individuals. It always has been and it always will be. So you must do your own work. That might mean you go to therapy. That might mean that you learn mindfulness. You take a class. That might mean you ask hard questions and you get really curious. And that might mean you put your own selfish desires on the back burner temporarily. And it means you have to be authentic, flawed, and growing men. It's not about a projection of perfection. Flawed isn't the problem. People can tolerate that. What they can't tolerate is men who are stubborn and arrogant. They, they can't tolerate that from us. We can't be that. We have to be flawed and growing. So when we make mistakes and we own them, we actually get more cultural influence, not less. 
trust me, I make tons of mistakes. Listen to some of my podcasts. And when people give me feedback, I acknowledge the feedback and I grow from the feedback. And I need you guys to do the same thing. Now, I'm not perfect. I, I don't do it every time. There are times where I get defensive. I'm like, nah, no, nope. you gave me feedback. I don't like it. I'm not taking it. Just like others do. But in general, we have to create this pattern of growth that prevents that from happening. So what to do, men? Think more, not less. Feel more, not less. Chaos is hard for everyone. So be patient and gentle with their feelings. That doesn't mean you have to be soft. It just means you have to be reasonable and understand that feelings distort view, but feelings also subside. That's where the patience comes in. And then understanding can go up. Connect with other men. Connect with them. Connect with other children. Outside of your own, they want connection. Go coach a team. Go uh, volunteer at the school. They want men in their life. And not just for play, but for work. That's why I said go to their school. When energy is high, men, be calm. Be calm. That is one of the most powerful things I think men can do. When energy goes up, be the counterbalance. In other words, if you're in a really negative environment, bring in some, appropriately, like you can't be too sarcastic or anything, but bring in appropriate humor or, you know, pull somebody aside and say, you know what, this is pretty intense. And say it casually and comfortably and watch that filter through the group. And then develop your spirit. Go to church or, you know, go to your place of, uh, of spiritual uh, sanctity. That rock in the middle of the lake, if that's your spiritual world, go there. But get your place spiritually sound. Do it. You got to do it. It's so critically important. Whatever that means to you, I'm not telling you you got to go believe this or believe that. But you have to be spiritually sound. It stabilizes you as an individual. We cannot ignore the spiritual existence in us. We just can't. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to me, men and women. If you listened and you made it all the way through, thank you as well. Look, share this with people. Let people know what we're talking about here. I, I can't say that enough. Some of this stuff may not apply to you, and maybe some of it does, but it applies to your friend. It applies to your dad or your, 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 your son. Like, let them listen to this, right? Talk to them about this. Use this to help grow a conversation that you didn't know you needed to have. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.